It's time for episode 425 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, November 17th, 2021. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back, Clockwise, the tech podcast that always goes back four seconds and minutes. My name is Dan Morin, and I am joined across the internet by my good friend, my co-host, my pal, my dungeon buddy, Micah Sargent. How are you doing today, Micah? I'm doing well, Dan. I like that one. That one was fr- practically or per- particularly clever. Thank. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I should retire now. <laughs> uh, well, this is, of course, the show on which we invite two fantastic guests to discuss a variety of tech topics. To my left this week, it is a web editor and producer of the Texas Standard and a host of podcasts uh, such as Parallel right here in Relay FM and Lions Tower and Shield over at the Incomparable. It is the one and only Shelly Brisbane. Hi, Shelly. Hello, Dan. It's great to be here. Great to have you. And to my left, you may recognize him by his voice. You may not, but he is certainly a prolific podcaster, analog here on Relay, as well as the Accidental Tech Podcast. It's Casey Liss. Welcome back, Casey. I'm sorry, were you saying something, Micah? Skype still thinks my speakers are muted. (laughs) (laughs) How's it going, everyone? No, it's fine. How's it going? You know, Casey, thanks for giving me the perfect lead-in to my talk topic. It's like, <laughs> you you're, again, welcome. you're like a professional. That's a segue. I love it. I want to know, what is the audio setup on your computer specifically? And, and what kind of things do you listen to other, obviously, than doing podcasts? Do you listen to music on your computer? Do that elsewhere. But, like, how is your speaker setup on your computer if you have one? Shelly? Well, on my computer, I'm mostly editing audio for my day job and for my podcast life. So I have a pair of headphones that is perpetually plugged in. If I'm listening to music or anything else just for enjoyment, I've typically got a Bluetooth speaker and it's almost always coming through my phone. And one of the main reasons is I can't sit still and so I want to be mobile. And so my phone and my speaker and I will move from room to room. But the computer uh, sits quietly and waits for me to need to open Adobe Audition or some other audio program to, to edit things. I have used so many different audio interfaces. Um, I Ha- I can't now think of uh, what the original one that I had was, but it was an XLR, you know, it's a USB audio interface. And then uh, for the longest time, I was using a MixPre 3 uh, as my audio interface. And then I uh, tried out this Thunderbolt audio interface that was very complicated and had lots of silly tools. It was more meant for a musician than it was for an audio uh, podcaster. And then... Elgato came out with this thing called the Wave XLR, and it is an audio interface that has one, count it, XLR port on the back. It's got a headphone jack on the back, and then it's USB-C into the computer. Uh, The mute switch on the top is capacitive, so you won't hear any sound if you tap it. Um, It's got simple controls for adjusting the mic gain, the... uh, uh, headphone uh, playback and then 
sort of switching between computer input and the microphone itself in whenever you're monitoring and of course has a phantom power and then there's just this big old knob on the front that you can turn up or down and uh, click it to do some different things and what's cool about it is that whenever you combine it with the software the software lets you bring in virtual inputs from things and so it makes it very easy for me on the different shows that I do to bring in audio for example from my iPhone whenever I'm showing my iPhone on iOS today or if I want to dip I don't know play music in the background during a show for whatever reason I could do that uh, but I don't and so it's very cool tool that I have used and it's been very simple to use and actually works unlike some of the other things that I've had that just are, are troublesome um, most of the time I've got uh, speakers that I bought for my uh, sort of desk setup and I moved from Missouri to California uh, for my job. I know I'm going on a little bit long, but um, I ended up get, I ended up when I moved not ever setting up my speakers. And so now I mostly just listen through my uh, Sony headphones whenever I am at my desk or like an animal, we'll just listen through the MacBook Pro speakers uh, if I need to listen out loud. All right, Casey, tell us about your audio setup. So I don't do silence well. I need to have either a podcast or music playing pretty much all the time. And up until recently, when I got my fancy new MacBook Pro, I would use the speakers on my iMac Pro, which were actually surprisingly good. But now I'm using the MacBook Pro and the LG Ultra Fine 5K. And I can tell you the speakers on the Ultra Fine 5K are neither ultra nor fine. <laughs> so I need uh, I need to figure out a different solution for this. I don't know what I'm going to do. But for now, I'm just suffering along with the speakers in the Ultra Fine because I don't have a better... I mean, I could put in AirPods or something, but I like just having it ambiently in the room. And so I'll figure something out eventually. Yeah, I used to have a pair of these Alltech Lansing speakers that came to me from my colleague Dan Frakes at Macworld because he would review all the speakers and, you know, end up with the review units and send them out. And so I had those for a super long time and they were a little aggressive. They had these really tall like towers and a subwoofer and all this and a ton of cables. And uh, when I moved and set it up again, I just I got this hum I could not get rid of whenever they were on. Oh, no. And it was really annoying. And so the other problem I had with them is I used a sit-stand desk and where the subwoofer was, which is where the audio cable is connected, is just far enough that every time I went into stand position, it would like <laughs> there'd be no slack in the cable and it would like pull itself out of the computer. Also not ideal. So I decided, you know what? It's time. I'll just move on to a new set of speakers. I do a lot of stuff through headphones, but a lot of times when I'm editing and I'm alone in the house, I just I don't want to wear headphones. I'd rather listen through speakers and wireless stuff like my HomePods, for example, which I have in the room and would seemingly make good speakers. The latency is too bad for editing podcasts. So I ended up going over to the wire cutter and buying one of their picks for speakers. And I thought, oh, yeah, it's just a two speaker set. This will be very reasonable. And it wasn't expense or anything. I think it was a hundred bucks. And I got them and realized, like, <laughs> I think I bought too much speaker for myself because these are actually, like, designed as, like, reference monitors. <laughs> and on. so I put them in. I was like, wow, these are uh, maybe a little too juiced up for me. So I've been using them for a few weeks, and they are perfectly fine. I think I need to drop the bass a little bit because it is a little much for what I end up generally listening to, which is, uh, you know, occasionally music, mostly editing podcasts, sometimes watching, like, you know, a YouTube video or something like that. Um, but, yeah, it, it is a, a, a um, surprisingly powerful set of speakers that I've ended up with. So uh, it was surprising, but uh, not unwelcome, I guess. Thank you all for your thoughts on that. Let's go to our next topic, which comes from Shelly. 
So I was on a show last week uh, and we were talking about the app economy and I was allowing as how so much of the app economy now is focused on the stuff you buy within apps as opposed to buying apps, you're buying apps and downloading a bunch of apps all the time. And so that got me thinking about when the last time I actually added new apps to my phone and to my computer was. And so I thought I would, would ask all of you, what is the most recently downloaded app you've added to your phone and or your computer and are you still still using it? This is such an interesting question. I think for me, I, I end up being an outlier because I do a show called iOS Today where we cover apps. And so I'm always downloading new apps and talking about them and using them. But sticking with them afterward, that is where or things might change. Um, I'm looking into my uh, phone right now. And the most recent apps I downloaded was a group of apps from Netflix because Netflix launched uh, Netflix Games, which lets you download some apps independently from the app app store that are uh, sort of blessed by Netflix. It's published by Netflix. And then if you have a Netflix account, then it lets you play these games. Um, I can tell you that uh, there's already the cloud download button on these games because after the show, I deleted them from my phone and they are no longer there. Um, I don't tend to keep a lot of games on my phone. Um, and so, yeah, they are they are gone and I am no longer using them. Uh, Casey, what about you? So I don't grab new stuff all that often, but coincidentally, the newest app on both my computer and my phone is the same one, which is Parcel. Uh, for the longest time, I was a super fan of uh, June Cloud's deliveries, but I was having some troubles, I think specifically with Amazon, but I forget exactly what it was. And so I, I actually got an email from the developer of Parcel saying, hey, you know, I heard you mention offhandedly that you're having problems with deliveries. Would you like to try my app? And and I did. And I really, really like it. There's a couple of minor things that I miss from deliveries, but it's been extremely reliable, works really well, and I've really been enjoying it. So that's Parcel on both the Mac and iOS app stores. I tend to think that the stuff I, I download, new apps, especially on my phone, tend to be because I got like a new piece of hardware or something that requires using it. So I think one of the most recent um, additions on my iPhone is the Level app, which is for the Level Bolt smart lock that I bought. Um, and so, you know, there was that. Even though it does work in HomeKit, I ended up downloading the app because it has uh, features that are not accessible in HomeKit. Uh, and then on the, it's a little hard to tell on the Mac side because I was looking at it. It's like, oh, according to uh, the uh, date added, the last thing I put on my Mac was Slack, which is not true, but I think it updated recently. Uh, so I'll <laughs> say the last thing I know I installed on my laptop was, <laughs> this is super, super boring. Uh, I had to install Microsoft Word on my laptop because I have a book <laughs> manuscript I'm editing. And it's like the one time a year that I have to install Word and pay like the seven bucks to use it for a month. So... Very, very, very exciting, I'm sure. Shelly, why don't you wrap us up here? So like you, Dan, I've had to install apps to account for hardware that I purchased. Uh, we had to buy a new washer-dryer this month, and I say had to because the old one just died on us. So I bought this LG that has an app that will run it, allegedly still working through the kinks, and it, so is the LG. I've been calling it the ThinQ app. It's probably meant to be pronounced Think with a Q, which is <laughs> annoying all by itself. But that, I, I am using it as uh, the washer will allow. It's really slow. It's not the greatest app in the world. And what's up with those notifications? Anyway, more to come on that in another venue. Uh, on my on my Mac, and so I'm still using it, yes. Uh, on my Mac, uh, I looked at my download history through the App Store, and who knows what I've downloaded in other random ways. But from the App Store, I downloaded Alfred because uh, I was listening to uh, a podcast about automation, probably the automators right here on Relay. I don't remember. 
Uh, but uh, David and Rosemary, if it was them, were talking about uh, Alfred, which I've never used. Mm-hmm. I've used Keyboard Maestro and I've used Text Expander and love them. But I'm a wannabe automation super nerd. And so I thought I'd download uh, Alfred and I did that about a month ago and I have not opened it once because <laughs> time. time. Oh, Alfred is so good, though. Time. Uh, I, know, I know the time problems. Uh, well, time keeps marching on right here as well. That's two <laughs> topics down, two topics left to go, which of course means it is halftime here at Clockwise. And this week's episode is brought to you by Pingdom from SolarWinds. If you have a website, what purpose does it serve? Whether it's driving people to your products, collecting sales leads for your company, or providing customer service with a contact form, when those critical transactions fail, you lose out on business, not to mention the bad experience for your users. But there is a solution, transaction monitoring from Pingdom. Starting at just $10 a month, transaction monitoring runs checks 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and will alert you when cart checkout forms or login pages fail before they affect your customers and your business. Pingdom will notify you the moment there's a failure over SMS, email, or via your favorite apps like Slack, Ops Genie, and PagerDuty. Depending on what's being monitored or the severity of the outage, you can customize who is alerted and how they get the notification. Don't let your users discover a problem with your website. You should be the first to know. And it's super easy to get started. Just go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 30-day free trial with no credit card required. Then when you're ready to buy, use the code CLOCKWISE at checkout to get a huge 30% off your first invoice. Thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right, that is halftime. Micah, what is your topic? All right, I want everybody to sort of just take a moment, breathe in, breathe out, and truly consider the question I'm about to ask, because it's one that's been on my mind, and I think that uh, the, the concern that I have is that sometimes we will use sort of the, the cultural milieu, if you will, and the the uh, clapback energy that all of us have to not consider many aspects of a thing. And so I'm hoping that we can throw aside our clapback energy, our uh, side eye, and answer this question. Do you feel you're missing out on the NFT trend, or is it just that, a trend? Casey, we'll start with you. Micah, get off my lawn. <laughs> no, uh, you know, it, uh, I'm, I have to be brief because this is clockwise and not ATP, but um, I've been worried a lot recently that I am moving steadily into middle age. I turned 40 in March, and I feel like some things that I'm noticing about myself are making me deeply concerned that I'm really losing touch. For example, I've been listening to a lot of music I listened to in the late 90s in high school, more than usual, and that's kind of alarming. Um, and NFTs are another thing that I I think is similar. And on the surface, I really don't see the point. And it seems like it's a silly trend. And it seems like it's, you know, everyone is agreeing to think it's cool. And that's what makes it cool, even though nobody actually thinks it's cool. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. um, but nevertheless, I'm trying my darndest to keep an open mind to it and trying really hard to think that maybe I'm just too set in my ways. and Maybe there's something here. And I think a lot of the stuff that NFTs promise is interesting, you know, like the whole concept of di- digital scarcity, I think is very interesting and very fascinating. And I think the idea of the blockchain is indeed interesting and fascinating, but it's also very hard for me because I'm an old man and, and, and ever growing hippie as, as I get older. It's hard for me to just look past the potential devastating environmental impact of all of this. So mm-hmm. to more di- directly answer your question, I, I, I feel like it's just a trend, but I don't trust my own judgment. <laughs> 
I also don't trust Casey's judge. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, Micah, you're suffering from fear of missing out on NFTs or FOMO NFT. Uh, oh <laughs> <laughs> Episode um, title. There it is. There it is. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I, I think my feelings echo Casey in some way. What I think is that this, this particular um, expression of the NFT slash blockchain thing is probably a, a, a fad or a trend, but I think it's possible that something will emerge from that that possibly has useful applications. I agree with Casey that digital like scarcity and the idea of creating assets that can't immediately be duplicated is an interesting one because we it does it, it's been this whole shift from a, a world where everything we dealt with was tangible and physical and therefore scarcity and, and like limitations were built into it to a world where everything is digital and therefore everything can be copied as much as possible. And that's a fascinating transition and it is, you know, raising questions about like, well, what does it mean to have art or something in the digital age when everybody can have the exact same copy of something. Um, so I, I think there's something intriguing there. But also, as Casey said, I think the the downsides to blockchain technology are hard to avoid. And especially in this particular moment in time where we're all dealing with this, this huge climate crisis, I think the idea of, of wasting resources on, you know, artwork, digital artwork that is non-fungible seems like really, you know, fiddling while Rome burns. So I, I almost said fiddling while the Titanic sinks, which I would go for as well, but it's kind of mixing my metaphors. <laughs> um, so, I, yeah, I, I just I think this is a fad. I don't expect us to be talking about NFTs in a year or two or at the very least, maybe it'll die down to lower than sort of cryptocurrency levels. Shelly, what do you think? I, I agree with you, Dan and, and Casey, in terms of the level of personal interest I have, which is is not much. And and part of that, even if I sort of dial down the clapback energy, as as Micah said, <laughs> is that I'm not a digital art collector. And so far, NFTs have had to do with collectibles and with art. And obviously, there are other potential ways that they could come into one's life. But I haven't seen a use case in which I feel like they would personally be relevant to me. I've actually covered NFTs for the radio show where I work, and we talked to a very enthusiastic artist who is making and selling them and also helping other artists sell them. And I believe he's genuinely sincere when he says this is a way for some artists to connect with some buyers and make a thing. It's also an incredible way of speculating, as is a lot of the cryptocurrency world, and that part doesn't interest me so much. So as somebody who wants to observe uh, wants to observe and support the idea of art, it's potentially very interesting, but it's just not something I I see involving myself in other than as somebody who writes about it. And yeah, the hard part is sort of chilling out about it and saying, well, maybe there are people for whom this will be the way they exchange uh, artistic items of value. And that might be interesting, but it's not going to be a part of my actual personal life. One of the beautiful things about Clockwise is even though an individual doesn't necessarily have that much time to give their opinion, sometimes everybody else Per perfectly says what they want to say. And you could just say, yes, all of them. <laughs> and I'm feeling that very much in this moment because, Casey, uh, I may be younger than you, but this stuff also makes me feel old. And that was part <laughs> of my concern is like, am I being old man yells at cloud about this yep. thing? And I just don't get it. And that's, and I can remember, you know, being frustrated, uh, thinking about people just sort of poo pooing certain technologies. Um, and going, you just don't like this because it scares you because it's different. 
isn't and it's not what you know. And so trying to be aware of that and, and understand if that is the what, what's going on here with me and my feelings towards NFTs and cryptocurrency as a whole. Um, and then, uh, Dan, you talking a little bit about how, you know, it doesn't work um, for you kind of independently, uh, but uh, sort of you know, understanding how artists can potentially make money off of this. And then Shelly, you talking about uh, understanding it from the perspective of someone who's just as a news person, essentially, uh, that is kind of where I am with it. I may be personally poo-pooing it and thinking, you know, this isn't for me, but I am keeping an eye on it. And at the same time, trying to keep that part of me that uh, chooses empathy to say, there may be people for whom this works. Um while also considering, as Dan said, the climate <laughs> impact of this stuff. So yeah, there's a lot to this. And I knew that that would be this the sake of this question. But I'm just glad that I'm not alone in in feeling old, curious, and concerned about the environment. We're all non-fungible <laughs> together, Micah. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. All right, Casey, let's move on to your topic. Yeah, we should be old and curious, but not judgmental. Hey, so uh, the holidays are coming up fast. Uh, is there any new to you smart home tech that you're hoping to get as a gift this year? This is particularly maybe something that you kind of want but don't want to spend your own money on but hey if you want if if you want me to get it for you as a gift then that's totally fine so what are you interested in uh, Casey, thanks for collecting wish lists. I look forward mm-hmm. to your presence. Uh, this, the, the biggest issue with this is that you've hit upon the the weakness, which is I am the person who buys the smart home stuff in my exactly. house, and it's yep, unlikely yep. anybody's going to buy it for me. I will say the one thing that I'm kind of intrigued in, and I haven't gotten around to spending any money on it, but since we moved into a house not long ago, uh, is a robot vacuum of some kind, because... I have definitely hit that point where it's like, oh man, sweeping, vacuuming, that's a pain. It was fine when I had a one-bedroom apartment, but a two-story house, all of a sudden, it's like, there's way more just space to to vacuum. There's way more (laughs) dust that gets kicked up. I would like a robot to do this for me. So... I think that's the sort of the thing that jumps out at me the most is stuff that will free up, you know, my time. Uh, apparently, I'm not going to be getting a uh, smart connected washer and dryer anytime soon if uh, Shelley's experience is any indication. But um, well, I have the one. The supply chain is bad, Dan. So you, there's there no you more go. left. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> I would also need the robot that takes the laundry down to the washer and dryer, puts it in, starts it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I feel like maybe we just haven't quite gotten to the level of smart home tech that I really want yet, Shelley. So uh, the good news for Casey is that it'll be easy to shop for Dan and me because we want the same thing. Um, <laughs> a, I, a, a year ago, uh, my husband and I got my mother a robot vacuum, and we were so proud of ourselves. She's an older person, and vacuuming is something she really wants to do, but it's difficult for her to do it on an ongoing basis and as well as she'd like. She hated the robot vacuum. We had taken it to our house and tested it, and we liked it, and we we had never had one, and having it in our house running around and picking up all the cat hair and everything, like, this is pretty cool. So you would think, well, we'd take the robot vacuum back and keep it. But we, being tech nerds that we are, decided that we wanted a fancier one. And so we took (laughs) mom's robot vacuum back to the store. And now we're seriously considering uh, giving each other a robot vacuum that has both the extra storage for the dirt that you collect and a smart app that will create a grid of your house and all that good stuff. So uh, it's if it's under the tree, I'm going to be involved in both purchasing and unwrapping it. But uh, it could happen this year. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have the wise robot vacuum that has the lidar sensor in it and it is fantastic without costing a trillion dollars um 
for me, I'm not going to choose one that's uh, new to me because, uh, as Dan has pointed out, if there was smart home tech that was new to me, then it would probably be something that I'd be purchasing so that I could test it out uh, rather than someone getting it for me. But light strips, I've uh, started putting LED light strips uh, under cabinets and around the house in different places to add more um, lighting. And quickly, my partner, like it's become his favorite thing in the house. Uh, sometimes the LED light strip is on. And I'm like, why is that on right now? And uh, I think he has fun kind of painting the, the house with light. So it would be a gift for me, but it would also be a gift for him uh, in in a sort of a what an osmosis sort of way. So yeah, I think more LED light strips would be great. Uh, Casey, why don't you wrap us up here? So it wouldn't be clockwise without one of you, or in this case, two of you, stealing my own answer, which is I really, I really would like a uh, robot vacuum, please and thank you. Uh, we got a dog during the well, not that the pan- pandemic is over, but we did get a dog during the pandemic, and uh, the hair is everywhere. And so, Erin, uh, my wife, has said to me, and, and I've said to her, you know, I think maybe it's time for a robot vacuum. And I actually just today watched a video review of that Wise vacuum, and I've heard it is very, very good, both now from you, Micah, and the review. So. Maybe I'll be looking at that. But one way or another, a uh, Roomba or or Wise or equivalent, if you please. Dan, it sounds like uh, we're going to trade the same gift for each other. (laughs) That's the best. When you open it, you're like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we'll do a round robin. You, me, and Shelly. We'll all be getting robot vacuums for Well, I was going to say, I have some LED light strips, Micah, so we could send them back and forth. Mine are on dimmer. It's really fun. Yankee swap (laughs) happening here. Uh, very exciting. All right. That is four topics down, which means we have reached the end of Clockwise, but we have just enough time for a bonus topic. So I want to ask you, what is your favorite seat in your house? Like, where do you like to hang out when you have some time? Shelly? Years ago, I wrote a book and I made a nice big bonus check and I bought a lovely red leather rocking chair with ottoman. And that is my has been my favorite chair for as long as I've had it. And it is expensive and I love sitting in it and it's comfy and it's red. Um, can I choose my bed? Sure. <laughs> All right. That's that's the one. That's the best seat in the house. Oh, man. So we put a screened in porch in the back of the house uh, early this year, and it is my favorite place in the house to be when the weather permits. And we haven't gotten like fancy outdoor couches, uh, partially because I'm scared of the experience that Jason had trying to source cushions for two years straight. But uh, but nevertheless, we do have one a uh, couple of those infinity chairs, those like folding infinity chairs that like lean back and they're, I don't know, they're counterweighted or whatever. And they, they are very nice, even though it looks kind of crummy. And so if I'm going to choose a place in the house to sit, assuming the weather can can allow it, then I will be sitting in one of these infinity chairs on the uh, screened in porch. I'm very jealous, Casey, because we've been talking about building a screened in porch. So that that is it's high on our list. Um, I uh, I think right now it's uh, we have a peninsula in our new kitchen, which has uh, some bar stools at it and it has a window uh, that looks out on the backyard. And I think oftentimes I just end up sitting down there with my laptop because it's a nice place, nice big space that I can sit in. Uh, it's usually very light, very bright in there, and I can look outside and see the birds in the backyard. So it's very pleasant place to sit. Thank you all for your thoughts on that. We have reached the end of the show, and all that remains is for us to thank our fantastic guest this week, Shelly Brisbane. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. It's delightful as always. And Casey Liss, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. The pleasure as always is mine. And Micah, we'll be back next week. Yes, it's uh, Thanksgiving here in the U.S., but we'll be back. Uh, but until then, we want to remind everybody listening out there, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody.